and welcome to the vlogging pod. Tonight we are joined by best-selling author Alice Vanya. Welcome Alice. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, let's start right off by talking about a German fairy tale that inspired your series, Kingdom of the Birds. Tell me about this fairy tale. Yeah, so it's, it's based on um, the, the fairy tale, The Goose Girl, which is a lesser known grim fairy tale. Um, and uh, it's one of my favorites. It's, it's a childhood favorite. Um, it's a nice mixture of being sweet, but quite dark at the same time. Um, but I love a lot of the Grimm, the Grimm Brothers fairy tales. Okay, awesome. I don't think I've ever heard of this fairy tale. Can you give us a little bit of the storyline? Yeah, of course. So the storyline is that um, in a faraway kingdom, um, there is a good princess who has a horrible maiden waiting. And um, she is told that she has to go to a faraway country and marry the prince there to stop a war. And they have to travel far to get there. Um, and um, it's just her, her maid and some guards. And halfway across, her maid um, um, basically um, throws the princess off her horse, steals her, her belongings and says, I'm going to be the the princess and you can be my maid or either that or I'm going to kill you depending on which version you're reading oh, wow. um, and, um, and the princess escapes um, and then the maid goes on to the to the faraway country as the princess and um, is greeted as the princess um, and um, starts courting the prince there and getting ready for the wedding Meanwhile, the real princess gets her way there in secret and becomes a goose girl. So just a, a poor person who looks after geese. Um, and meanwhile, she um, meets a mysterious man in the, in the fields where she takes the geese um, and they talk and they fall in love. And then of course it turns out to be the prince in disguise. Um, and, uh, and then they manage to find out that she's a real princess and the maid gets a horrible death and everyone lives a happy ever after oh wow <laughs> i don't that's a very quick summary of it all oh and she has a talking horse i can't miss out falada she has a talking horse throughout it he gets killed by the horrible maid oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, I am actually gonna have to look this up <laughs> Oh, it's great. It's an absolutely great fairy tale. Um, and there's some really, really nice retellings of it as well. Nice. Different authors have done different versions of it. My favorite one's by Shannon Hale. Nice. Um, since we are talking um, right off about your series, or you're based on a series of Kingdom of the Birds, so why don't we talk a little bit about that? Tell us about the second in the series, Feathers of the Blood. Yeah, so the first one, the first one, which is Feathers of Snow, is a very similar retelling to the actual fairy tale in its, at its core, apart from the roles of the maid and the princess are switched. Mm. So I have a, a, um, a bad princess and a good maid, and it follows the maid. Um, um, and um, that's quite similar to that story, but in a much more dramatic setting. And then the um, second book 
is so the main character is called Brianna um, and so because she's the maid it's hard to say the story without giving too many spoilers <laughs> would you um, would you like me to read the synopsis off your website would that help um no I, uh I can do I think I think it's, it's even the synopsis has a bit of a, a um gives away something that happened in the first book but I suppose if you know the original fairy tale you can okay. guess what's going to happen if but um, because she's found out to not be the real princess, she's cast out um, and um, uh, exiled rather than killed in the book, in my story. And she has to basically find her own way in the wilderness, in the snowy wilderness, in, which is the world they live in, which has giant talking beasts and um, lots of magical things going on. And she basically has to learn to stand up for herself, having been basically abused by the princess that she serves her whole life. Um, and it's basically about her finding her own strength. Okay. So what made you decide to take on your own take of the German fairy tale inspired? Yeah, I think it's I think it's because it's one of my favorite fairy tales. Just one day I just got hit by by um, an idea for it, which was just some thinking, gosh, imagine if you were in an arranged marriage where you weren't the person you think you are uh, well, just, sorry who everyone thinks you are um and how scary that would be um because not only is an arranged marriage scary it's scary because you don't want them to find out who you really are um and then because I love the goose girl I just wrapped it all together um and had great fun <laughs> do you think you might have taken a gentle edge to it since you decided not to kill off the maid um I don't know. I think it's gentle in the sense that it's meant for young adults. Okay. So it's it's a book whose main aim is sort of the 16, 17-year-olds. But it definitely has a very dark edge to it. So okay. there's a, a massive sense of foreboding. And unfortunately, I do keep the fact that her horse, her talking horse is killed, um, which instantly makes it a lot darker. <laughs> <laughs> and slightly traumatising. Right. <laughs> um, Things are a bit more spidey up, <laughs> but I have occasionally 
Yeah, occasionally done in coffee shops, but then I tried very hard not to put any faces. Okay. <laughs> so basically, it's anybody walking by a window. I got you. I got you. <laughs> okay. Or my husband. Right. I got you. I got you. Um, so we mentioned your characters. Now let's touch a little bit on your world drafting. I've read that they are inspired about how they feel to you. So tell me exactly how that works. I mean, I, I understand how the world feels to you, but how does that actually develop into an actual world drafting of where you're writing your books? Yeah, I think I find it quite hard to explain, but I think when I'm writing um, a scene or a location, I first of all think about how I want it to feel, um, and, um, and then I will shape everything around that. Um, so, for example, with the world of um, Kingdom of Birds and Beasts, um, so with Feathers of Snow, I wanted the country that she was going to and the man that she was being forced to marry to seem very unwelcoming. Um, and I wanted the feel of it to be barren and strange um, and unwelcoming, but also um, with a beauty that's undeniable, but, um, but quite harsh. Uh -huh. um, and so I made it snowy and unpopulated and full of um, pine trees and not much else um, flora. And I made, um, but also very beautiful with sort of hills and mountains and lakes. Okay. Um, and and so I, I sort of like did everything from the from the feel that I wanted to really capture her emotion of having to go to marry someone that she was completely unfamiliar with in a strange land. Okay, so probably the world settings starts off very dark, but as your characters meet and perhaps um, become more involved, the world opens up to become a more beautiful landscape. Is that what I'm understanding? Exactly, exactly. Okay. So at the start, their relationship is very cold and very um, just unwanted, and so the whole world feels like that. Okay. And then as they get closer... And to be honest, it's not just their relationship. It's as she finds herself and becomes more comfortable with herself, she discovers more and more the beauty and her place in, in, the, in the beauty around her and the way that she can interact with the world. Um, and so that it becomes something that's really, really precious to her. Okay. So I hear you have something new coming out soon. Um, I believe, now quote me if I, if I get this wrong, uh, the Widow and the Beast? Yeah, I've got The Widow and the Beast. So the next thing that's coming out is the third book um, in Kingdom of Birds and Beasts. So um, Kingdom of Feathers, which is the one after Feathers of Blood, comes out on the 22nd of August. Okay. Um, just putting the very final touches of that one at the moment before it goes off to my copy editor. And then The Widow and the Beast is my poor neglected child that I released a bit about two years ago. And then it's kept on being put on the back burner. And I keep on thinking I really, really need to finish it. Um, and um, so that will hopefully be coming out in a few months' time when it uh, finally gets my attention again. Can you possibly tell us a little bit about that series? Yeah, so that one is about, uh, again, it is a fairy tale um, retelling, but it's a almost unknown fairy tale, um, which is when I, because we go to Scotland for quite a lot of the family. I live in England, okay. and um, when we go to Scotland, we love to go to the Highlands, and the Highlands have just amazing myths and legends there. Um, and there's one legend of a, a Kelpie, which 
um, is um, so Kelpies are most frequently displayed as sort of water horses that can be quite dangerous and vicious and often displayed as being evil. Um, and there's a lot of the ancient legends about them, they can shapeshift into um, women or men that are very attractive and tend to lure the opposite sex to there to drown them and eat them in the water. Um, and um, there are, um, and I love Kelpie myths. And when you're in the highlands, it's, it feels just like they're real because their locks are so atmospheric with the mist and the mountains um, and how still the waters are. Um, and also when you drive up the, the motorway, there's, um, there's actually two massive um, statues of Kelpies, which are giant horse heads rearing from the floor, which are probably the size of six storey houses. Um, they're absolutely huge. So it does feel like such a magical place. And there's one legend called the uh, of Kelpie that lives in the River Barra, which is that a woman, a Kelpie basically attacked a woman or tried to seduce a woman um, as a man. And she managed to hook a magical bridle around it. And that um, tamed it so it became a horse. And then she took it back to her farm and um, and it ploughed her fields and, and basically um, helped her rebuild her farm. Um, and then over the years that happened, they they fell in love and then she removed the bridle and he decided to stay in human form with her and they got married and lived happily ever after. Wow. Um, <laughs> I just love that story. It's really not very well known. Um, but I love that story. I love the idea of, um, of like one small girl being able to tame a, like a ruthless monster um, like that. And it just really reminds me of Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, how you've got, you know, one uh, the ma- you know, the man trapped in a monstrous form who's who hates everything and is is a danger to people, um, and then he's he's changed by love and um, and um, changes back into a man, um, and so the one the story that I've um, written with the widow and the beast is basically a retelling of that, um, but I've made it much more. Um, um, into a fey kingdom where there's lots of different types of fey um, and it's all a bit weird it's very celtic um, uh-huh. yeah and it's great fun to write it's a, a little bit weirder than some of the other things i've written it's a bit more illogical with the craziness of the fey and everything well i'm actually enchanted with the series name kingdoms of the fairy path tell me how that came about exactly i mean it seems very it's very enchanting the title for the series yeah so the idea is that um i'm gonna have four kingdoms um which have different fey in them so and sort of based on the elements so the kelpies from the water kingdom um and then there's a fire kingdom and a wood kingdom and a and a, an ice kingdom um and each of the um of the books is going to be one of the characters um basically um so the idea is there's a curse over the whole of, of fairyland um, and these four women um, each break the curse in these four separate kingdoms um, and so that's sort of where I and the fairy path is is based on Celtic legends where if you go wandering into the woods and you wander accidentally into fairyland um, you can follow a path where um, the woods can change and you can get lost and basically wander forever um, so it's sort of based on that. You seem to really like the fairy tale aspect, right? Am, yeah, I, am I getting that right? <laughs> and your, 
Your book covers are very enchanting. Tell me a little bit about how those come about. Do you, do you do them yourselves? Do you hire them out? Tell me how that comes out. Yeah, so I've got a few different cover artists. Um, the person who um, did my covers for the Kingdom of Birds and Beast series, so Feathers of Snow, Feathers of Blood and Kingdom of Feathers, um, she is actually an author herself and she designed her covers for her own series and then decided that they didn't portray her, her genre quite right. Um, and so she put them up for sale. And the moment I saw them, I just fell in love with them. <laughs> so I just need those covers. Um, so um, I bought those actually before I'd even written the first word of the series. Um, but they are so perfect. Um, and then my first two fantasy books, The Flawed Princess and Queen Avon, they were done by the same designer um, as, as each other. Um, and they were ones where I basically just told her a concept and she did them for me. Right. Um, but unfortunately, she stopped. She stopped working, um, and then um, I've got various ones which are basically pre-made covers. Where I've, I have a horrible book cover addiction, where I'll just look at book covers for hours every day, and occasionally I get in and buy one. And sometimes I actually have to write the book for the cover rather than the other way around because I've just fallen in love with something. That looks like well, I'm. I have many. <laughs> I haven't written books for yet. I'm I'm looking at the um, at them on your site currently. So we're looking at I'm looking at currently slipper snow, slipper in the snow, and yeah. then you have the nettle snow, the secrets in the snow, and the princess in the snow. So very enchanting covers, very enchanting. Um, so tell me. Since we're talking about covers, let's talk about how your covers with your fans. Tell me about your connection with your fans and how they, how you're able to do that with your fans, be able to have a connection. Yeah, I mostly connect with my fans through Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I've met just the most wonderful people through Facebook, um, and they just are so encouraging. Um, and some of them have basically become friends, um, which is just so lovely from all around the world. Um, and um, and there's been some some of my super keen readers and friends um, and fans have um, really helped me actually with some of my later books um, because a lot of them are really good at reading a book in 24 hours so I'll often send them an early copy just to say can you just tell me that it's okay before I send it out to the world and they can make very helpful suggestions. Um, the other main way I interact is through my newsletters so I send out a newsletter once a fortnight and I quite commonly get emails back um often because i'm a i work as a, a small animal vet i say the, the biggest um, communication i have with my fans is people sharing pictures of their pets which is actually really lovely even if it's got nothing to do with books well that's very interesting so you're 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 married you're a mother you're a vet and you're a writer so that's quite a bit yeah. that is quite a bit yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know how i I've managed to fit it all in. I only work three days as a vet, so I'm not a full-time vet. Right. Um, and I do, um, yeah, and then I look after my son as my main job the rest of the time, and then I write pretty much every evening. Well, I think that's awesome. Still the education you have to do to even take care of an animals in general as a vet, that's quite an accomplishment right there. Um, and let's not, let's not uh, forget to shy away from how much it takes to be a mother in general or a parent in general so that is a full-time job i Full think i think that yeah being a mum, i think is more work <laughs> oh yes oh yes <coughs> um, yes exactly 
Um, so for my final um, question for you this evening, um, what would you have your readers take away from you and the way that you write? I think the thing that I am most happy about when someone comments on my book is um, saying that it gave them hope um, to overcome something difficult in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only happened a few times, but it's, it's at the times when I feel like giving up or that, or maybe thinking, oh, this is just too much work or something like that, um, where I just, I look at those comments or those reviews or those emails and I think, no, actually, this is really worth it because it can, stories have such a power to change people and to give people hope and strength. Um, and I think because most of my main characters um, have overcome quite extreme situations and quite a few of them have perceived disabilities. Um, for example, I've got um, Violet in The Four Princess of the Club Foot. I have Adelaide, um, who is deaf in Silent Melody. And Brianna in Feathers of Snow has um, PTSD and quite extreme anxiety. And has uh, just and claustrophobia and all sorts from her, um, her history of, of, of abuse, basically, from the princess. Um, and it's just wonderful when you know, you show that actually these people, these characters have put up with so much, yet they are still strong and they can still do good and they can still um, be kind and help other people um, and um, and overcome everything that they're challenged with. And I just really hope that that is the message that people get across is that actually it doesn't, whatever has happened to you, um, you know, almost like it's, let it become a part of you and and still don't let go of that hope that you can have, you can make a difference in other people's lives. Right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the program tonight. And thank you so much for having me. Well, it was a pleasure. It was really was. I want to thank you so much for being on, and I want to also thank our guests. I'm sorry, our, our, our listeners. My part. My my apologies. I get a little tongue tied sometimes. Um, Thank you, everyone, for coming in every evening. It is a wonderful and a delight to always see you in the room with us. Um, Please stay tuned to this coming Thursday when we have our next guest. Thank you again, everyone. Have a great evening. Bye-bye for now.